Hi everyone, this is Kathy Watson, the original Shouty Mum, founder of the Shouty Mums Club, and welcome to the Shouty Mums Club's podcast. Hi everyone, hope you're well. Welcome back. So for today's podcast, I'm delighted to present to you the amazing Rebecca Oxtoby, the author of the book Mum's the Word. I absolutely loved recording this podcast with her. So let me tell you a little bit about Rebecca in case you don't know. She is hilariously funny, real and raw, and she wrote her first book in the throes of her journey into motherhood. And I'll read a little bit of the bio. Mum's the word, the ultimate baby shower gift for any expected mother. This is motherhood laid bare, no filters, no frills, and often no fucking clue. These are the hilarious hidden tales from parenthood that Insta mums have cropped out for years. The leaking nappies, the shit-stained t-shirts, and the truth about those bloody night feeds. These are the brilliantly funny and honest stories that every mother needs to hear, exposing the truth about parenthood. Mum's the Word gives a refreshingly raw and candid insight into the life with a newborn baby, uniting mothers against the super mum pretense and acknowledging that we are all just winging it anyway. Rebecca's dry and undeniably funny stories will test any mother's pelvic floor to the limit, so grab a tenor lady, latch on and take a seat. Mum's the Word is rated five stars on Amazon and has phenomenal reviews. It's right up there alongside Sarah Turner's The Unmumsy Mum, Sam Avery's The Learner Parent, and Giovanna Fletcher's Happy Mum, Happy Baby. And I'll be real honest, I wish I had this book when I was a brand new mum because I think it would have made everything so much easier to know the real truth. So the topic today I wanted to have a real honest conversation with Rebecca about was toxic positivity and following on from the last podcast I wanted to have a a raw chat about how toxic positivity can be dangerous in motherhood and parenting and where it often affects our self-worth our inner knowing and it can block our intuition leading us to take paths in our lives that we think we should do rather than what we want to do and how this can all add to the suppression of ourselves, suppressions of what we really want in life and the suppression of our emotions and why that all adds up to the explosive rage that you sometimes experience. And so it was really important for me to get another mum's take on this to explore this in more detail. We got real, we got raw, we laughed all the way through it. I hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Let's get stuck in. So today I wanted to talk to you about toxic positivity and your experience and if you found that it actually impacts your life and how it has impacted your life. So have you heard of toxic positivity? Do you know what it's about? Like, have you experienced it? Yeah, so I guess my layman's term experience of that would be drowning in social media every second of the day sitting aimlessly scrolling and just seeing the the beautiful white sheets and cream colored outfits that every single baby on Instagram is in at the moment and me in these kind of gorgeous beautiful houses and me sitting there behind my phone staring into 
what is a bomb site of a living room with a mm-hmm. child who's taken her bubbles out and looks like she's being electrocuted <laughs> like it, it just is the opposite to real life isn't it and I guess I don't really know why we do it I don't know why that has become a part of our lives and why we're so accepting of it because every single person who I speak to about social media hates how it's fake and hates how it is not real life and yet Mm. do you remember that time god it must be a few months ago now and Instagram went down and Facebook went down so nobody could go Instagram Mm. for the whole evening and because you knew that nobody else could go on Instagram the relief of just not having to be there was something else and I was like wow like they should do that every Sunday just to give us all a break from social media (laughs) That'd be the best thing in the world. I might suggest it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. The whole Insta versus reality is off the chart. And we know it. We know it in our minds that it's not real, but it doesn't stop us comparing ourselves and wishing for that immaculate house that we know not everybody's got. But yeah, with kids, you just can't have nice things. Like you can't no. with small children. You can't. And it's forever a, a bugbearer for me that the house always looks like a fucking bomb site. And no matter how much I tidy up, get one room put together and you turn around and you've the time you've had to get that room done, you've sacrificed because the front rooms look like a bomb site yeah. again. And it's so frustrating. I think the other thing with motherhood is I feel like you don't ever feel like you achieve anything. Like because it's just groundhog day mm-hmm. over and over again. And um so I I wanted to talk about toxic positivity because I don't think a lot of us realise how ingrained it is for us and especially as women. So like how important it was to be a good girl and how important it was to follow the rules and to always be happy and to not be mad or sad or cry for very long. So I don't know if you experienced the layman terms that I want to raise awareness about and have conversations about is that I feel like toxic positivity is us being rushed through our emotions and like from a very early age we've experienced for instance if a child you know if you fell down as a child pretty much you'd be like oh you're okay you're okay you're all right up you get you're fine you're fine you're fine you're all right you're all right money say you're fine off you go there you go you're big you're strong and simple things like that where we don't want to make our children cry babies we don't want to be seen as a weak or crying all the time or very emotional or overly sensitive so we were sort of tried to sort of, I suppose toughen up you know that that sort of legacy gets passed down and down and down to us now and I catch myself saying like you're, you're okay you're fine you're okay you're fine yeah did you experience that in your childhood would you say yeah definitely and I think what one of the things I mean you, you've hit the nail on the head there I find that that's the first thing that comes out of my mouth if Isabel falls mm. over is to go you're okay and I'm very very conscious now to to go oh you look like you've hurt yourself how do you feel or do you feel okay or did that hurt and Mm. and put the feelings onto her rather than tell her how she feels and and reflecting on that in childhood and being like you're okay you're okay my husband does it all the time it's it it was our generation wasn't it it was our generation's response to you've hurt yourself no you've not you're okay yeah um yeah 
So yeah. I get I get really angry at him, and then I find myself doing it, and I'm like, no, no, like, yeah, stop. But it's an automatic response. It's like when somebody goes, "How are you?" and you go, "Fine," even though you're absolutely not fine. It's just an automatic response. <laughs> I know you make exactly that. You go, "How are you? I'm good. I'm good." And then you talk to someone, you think you are not good in any way. You're not fine. Like the wheels are literally yeah. like coming off, but. Yeah, I just, the more I sort of ask people about this, the more they have the same experience. And the reason I think it's so toxic positivity in parenting is so dangerous is because when that happens, and I think for me personally, and a lot of people, I guess that when you have, when you do experience those like big emotions, anger, sadness, um, the injustice of some being told no and you weren't allowed to fully experience them and you were told like stop crying stop crying I don't want to see go to your room go away I don't want to see you in those moments the choice was taken from us in terms of okay my reality is I'm in pain and I'm suffering I've just grazed my knee but I'm being told that I'm okay and that everything's fine I'm okay so they we give them this like I think as again our generation we were confused as to our internal reality and the external reality didn't match and so I think we then started to look we didn't necessarily trust what was going on inside of us and also we weren't able to actually experience what was going on for us so that toxic positivity again started to suppress our feelings and I'm really passionate about exploring that because when we don't have that opportunity to explore our our own emotions and to to go through them and not and when we are rushed through them like you're okay you're fine if you're gonna cry go away from me and we have to stop to again as children we need we all always choose that attachment we don't want to be abandoned we'll choose the attachment to a parent or loved one or caregiver um but I think it can be quite when we start, when we learn to do that over and over again, to suppress what we're feeling, to just rush through it, just be happy, be smiling. Okay, I'm okay. We don't get to know who we truly are because, again, we're suppressing those feelings. And I think yeah. it can be quite dangerous. And one thing that you shared with me last time, if you don't mind expanding a bit on, was that you um, you experienced some postnatal depression after your birth, yeah. after the birth. Was that about, did you say it was like about six months when... Which was about six months. Yeah, I reckon it started when she was about three months old and I drowned in it for a good few months thinking that... So the reason that I think that I have postnatal depression is because I've always been such a high achiever in life. I've always been very busy, very career-focused, being able to be successful if I put effort into it. And parenthood was a whole different sphere for me because... You could put in all the effort in the world, but you sometimes you can't stop the crying. Sometimes you can't figure out what's wrong. And the cuddles, the cuddles will help, but they have to go through this process of being sad or they're in pain because of teething or whatever else. And I just absolutely felt like I was failing because I was like, this kid won't stop crying. Mm-hmm. Everybody else's kid seems fine. And and you link into social media where everybody's having this beautiful time with their gorgeous babies and my my little girl had teeth when she was two months old and she really really struggled but I wasn't meant to have teeth at two months old so I'm like right well it can't possibly be teeth because she's too little so I, I just felt at every hurdle like I was failing and I wasn't in control and I didn't know who I was my whole identity of 
career woman, successful professional, everything that I've been taught that was success in life, mm. which is another story, was not where I was right then. So yeah, about six months, I think I went to the doctor. <laughs> it makes me laugh because I went to the GP around Christmas time. So a beautiful, wonderful nurse who I went in and I said, I think I've got athlete's foot. And she looks at me and I was like, yeah, I think I've got athlete's foot. And she said, take your shoe off then. And as I took my shoe off, I burst into tears. And she was like, this is not about the athlete's foot, is it? But I was like, no, I don't even have athlete's foot. And I just needed to to get in but I couldn't possibly say I'm not having a great time with with my baby and I mean I have a wonderful life I have a really successful job I have an incredible husband I have a lovely house lovely car perfectly healthy baby everything is perfect and when you reflect and you go well I'm not enjoying this like this is shit how is the shit when it's meant to be perfect when it's meant to be what the rest of society tells you is perfect Mm. why am I miserable you carry so much guilt on top of that so all of these layers kind of encompassed um the postnatal depression particularly I think because I need a fertility treatment to have Isabel I don't have periods so I don't I don't ovulate and because of that we had to go through this whole process of fertility treatment where everybody else was having a baby and you couldn't have a baby. So when I got the baby and I I didn't love the life that I had, I resented mm. her, I resented him. I hated the fact that I'd made that decision. And then you were like, but you, you wanted this. This is just such a complex emotion where you grieve your old life. Mm. Yeah, you don't understand what's right there in front of you. It's so it's so complex, and I reckon only now that I look back onto it, I just want to hold that woman and just say, you know what? It doesn't matter if the dishes are done today. It doesn't mm. matter if the house is a shit hole. Put put your phone down. Stop comparing to everybody else. And and if you aren't enjoying your time with the baby, go and have a bath. Give the baby to your mum or to Danny or just say I'm done I need help get someone to bring food around like we we fight I guess so much to be independent and show everybody that we've got our shit together it's the most dangerous thing to pretend like everything's okay when it's not yeah yeah oh I just I'm so with you in that I'm so with you in the in the pain of all of that and thank you for sharing like all of you like your whole story I think it's just it allows it's just another way of of allowing people to hear your vulnerability and explore their own and and this is I I guess this is the reason that you wrote the book right this is the whole reason you needed to tell the world yeah I can't even remember now when the book started I was on maternity leave and it was published by the time I'd gone back to work. So it must have been quite early on after Isabel was born. And it it was never meant to be a book for people to read. It was me just processing my thoughts and 
the funny stuff actually because it's it's interesting when we have chats like this because everyone thinks it's going to be a miserable book about postnatal depression it wasn't it was documenting all of the fun bits and I think subconsciously it was me trying to highlight the good and the bad so that I, mm. I could properly reflect on the whole period rather than just thinking oh this is I mean it was underwhelming to me I think that's what I found which was so surprising I expected it to be overwhelming in so many ways I did not expect to find it boring as shit just sitting at home <laughs> like day after day groundhog day yeah and the play school um what are they called bloody soft play classes and and mum's classes and ugh, vile and you're just talking to people <laughs> purely on the basis that you've had sex at the same time as them nine months ago that that's your only thing you've got in common and now you're like oh we, we have to be friends now no you're boring you're awful people go away oh one of my best friends oh she's she felt the same about um baby classes she calls them the wanky baby classes and she mm. was just not down for any of that um at all so I just yeah I totally get you and I, I feel like again you you just you you sold this dream that having you're just going to know exactly what to do it's just going to all come naturally you're going to love every minute of it because it goes so fast and mm. all this uh, lot of advice you get and and you you buy all the stuff and you just think right I've got everything I could possibly need and more but no one prepares you for the non-stop crying for yeah. three months like winter had Harper didn't have anything like that but winter she had the, the colic reflux and you would go to ask for help you would be at your wits end I would literally like you understand why some when a baby doesn't stop crying and you can't soothe it you understand why some people have shaken babies before and they've absolutely lost yeah. it not that I would have ever been that close to doing that but I can understand where that all of that you know um just overwhelm and just at your wits end like what can I do I can't do anything for you and you go to the doctors for help and they say oh they just grow out of it they just grow out of it and they sort of dismiss you and always every time you go to the doctor saying that the baby has been screaming all day you go and they're the happiest they could possibly fucking be and they make you like a bloody liar in that moment and the doctor's just like nothing and oh the things that we used to try and you just have to literally wait it out and it's there's no light at the end of the tunnel there's nothing and you don't get told about any of this shit you don't people don't talk about it because of this toxic positivity of life's great and the baby's just going to complete you and it's and then when you feel when you don't feel happy inside or when you don't feel happy all of the time as you know the big goal of this toxic of this positivity positivity you feel like something's wrong like you feel like you're you're doing something wrong as you said you feel like you're failing and you feel like I should be able to do this and you shared with me that when as I said with my first baby I was kind of lured into this sort of full sense of sort of security that she was all not easy because none of it was easy but I could cope so when this happened I was I wasn't expecting it I wasn't expecting the 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 colic or the reflux because Harper didn't have it and it was just unreal um and I think, you know, we'll always regret not having a third baby. But I think for my husband, it was just, it was too much. It was too, it was too much all that time. And I know that you shared that you're thinking about another baby coming up yeah. and, and you, I'll let you say it in your own words, but you were saying that it's, it's a daunting time because of yeah. 
where you where I think my actual words were I don't want to fuck this up again because I'm (laughs) I'm all right in a good place like I'm okay Isabel's relatively easy go put your shoes on she eventually will put her shoes on independently she's potty trained she can tell you what's the matter with her like it, it gets better in that way to go back to I mean the nappies and all that shit is awful isn't it but to go back to what is wrong with you I it, mm. it scares me it does scare me and I think I remember writing the book and I wrote something like oh god there were days when I wanted to throw her out the window and I'd mm. say it in jest but genuinely you're like oh my god will you shut up and you you can't it's your baby and you have mm. this fierce protection where you would never let any harm come to them but at the same time they are the thing that is causing you harm it, it's yeah. so fucked up because you're like I, you're the reason that I'm miserable and yet you're the reason that I'm meant to be happy I, I don't <laughs> understand <laughs> you know I can't imagine life without you but fuck it would be nice for just half a day <laughs> just half a day and just a week just I just need yeah. a week off but yeah oh my god oh my god I'm so with you in that and it's it's so painful I'm, terrified. I'm genuinely terrified I'm terrified of not being able to have another baby and I mean I'm not that asked about single single what are they called only only child um mm. only children that's how they're called <laughs> what can I speak <laughs> Um, but I, I'm not that bothered. Like I, I just had a brother and Danny had sisters growing up and I love that relationship that we've got. Mm-hmm. And I have always envisaged that that would be a part of my life. So I'm scared as the age gap gets bigger, she's going to be, if I got pregnant right now, she'll be four by the, mm-hmm. the, by the time the baby would be born. And you think, oh, am I making this worse? Should I just do it? But then equally... I mean, this is the mother load all over. I've got a very, very good job that I really enjoy. Do you fuck that up by having another baby or do you do you wait and then have to go off anyway? There's never going to be a good time yeah. to do this. And yeah. it, it just completely, it exactly, it's exactly the mother load, isn't it? It's all of the things that you need to carry plus the additional pressure that our parents didn't have where you feel like everyone in the world is watching and judging. Yeah. Yeah. I Can you even imagine? I can't, I can barely remember a time without social media and, you know, at your fingertips and so much of this that we overload ourselves with this constant scrolling and information, information, information. It is frightening. It's absolutely yeah. frightening. I remember we used to, my dad was a Microsoft certified systems engineer. And I remember that because it was one of the fanciest things that I was ever taught when I was a kid. So <laughs> we had computers in the house all the time when computers were very new kind of in your house. And I remember he had an Encarta CD, which was like an encyclopedia and you put it in and you'd only be able to learn what was on that CD and that was it. But that was fascinating to me, being able to access kind of facts on a computer it gave us a whole new dimension to learning and education now I feel like I just want to wipe the internet and start again because there's Mm. so much shit on there that you don't actually know what's true or not that I guess leads me really nicely on to 
when I um when I first had Isabel and she was 10 days old and she was screaming constantly and she couldn't she couldn't poo. And I was like, yeah. oh bollocks, what do I do here? So she's breastfed. Um and they say you don't ever, ever give a baby cool boiled water, ever. It's like, I don't know, they'll turn into ash. I don't know, but you absolutely <laughs> couldn't possibly. So I did the little bicycle legs with her to try and get to poo, something about massaging a bum hole with cotton wool. You know, and you're just absolutely insane and you're just doing all these weird things <laughs> trying to get a, a child oh. to poo. Yeah. yeah. Like you could have went, told me, yeah. hold her upside down, and I would have done because I just needed to get this kid to poo. <laughs> so I rang the hospital and I said to the hospital, I can't get this baby to poo. She's in so much pain. Do you even know if it was a poo or a trump, but whatever, like she was she was in so much pain. Mm. And the hospital said, because you've tried everything else, give her cool boiled water. Like you've you've tried everything else that we can possibly try. Give her that. It might just help her to pass. Great. But in the time that I'd given her the cool boiled water to her actually pooing, I thought it was a good idea to go onto social media to mum's oh, net God. or whatever. And I said, look, I I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this. I've given her cool boiled water as per the midwife's recommendations. And there's just this woman called Helen who come on and she was like, hun, you're really not allowed to do cool boiled water. Like, you're going to cause damage to the baby. <sighs> and, you know, when you're like, sorry, what degree do you have? Because I've just been told by a midwife after I've gone through everything. So then I was just like, you know what, fuck it. I'm not going on social media anymore because I'm trying to do the best that I can here. And it's just so toxic. But this woman's got a baby who's like two months older than my baby, so thinks that she's an expert. And I just, I was like, no, this is is dangerous because I am medical. I'm from a medical background to know the routes to go it's fine for me I'm happy to kind of ring them and go look this is the situation tell me what to do Mm. if you aren't that mindset or if you aren't in that zone to even go right let's ring the hospital people go on there for advice like support one another what is the matter with people oh no I'm fucking hell what is wrong with people what is wrong with people? Even that, even if you think that, even if you think that, you the way you deliver it is like, again, there's just all these people wanting to tell you they're two pence worth, and it's frightening and it's shaming, mm. and it's just you'd oh, hun, that must have been horrendous. Yeah, you can't you can't go on the internet for advice. You need an expert. You do. You need a medically trained expert. That and anyway, she... she did. She went to the toilet like immediately after that bloody cool boil water. And I was like, ah. And I wanted to go back on and say, you absolute dick. She's just been and she's fine. Just really annoyed me. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, the Winnie, I think she was about 10 days old, maybe. And she, she didn't poo for like two days and the, and the screen, I think it maybe went to three days. I had one, one, one and we were bathing out the bicycle legs, the tummy rubs. As you said, bum, like doing the bum hole, everything, just anything. I would sing. I was, I would sing to the poo. Like I would do anything, just come out. It was so bad. But you know, we, we ended up putting her on special milk and it was just like, then she didn't have like, she just had, it was like a tap for like you would yeah. hear it and you'd have to run because the nappies couldn't contain this 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 poo and it was just like 
I was like, I was like a mad woman. I was like, just like, oh, she's paid right quick. And it was horrendous. <laughs> I should never have put on that milk. I think you just panic. And then I think if I'd have just carried on and then I didn't actually breastfeed Winnie so that I was feeling like if I'd done something, I put it on formula. It's the worst, you know, the worst thing I could have done. I should have just tried to, try to, you know, grin and bear the pain of it and got through it to give her the best thing. And, you know, we just guilt ourselves into thinking that I'm doing something wrong. And especially yeah. like when Greg went back, I was like, something's wrong. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. Like, he's like, it's not you. It's not you. But I just felt like I'm doing something wrong here. And, you know, my sister had a baby. She, so with my first children, we were three weeks apart. So my Harper, Harper was born first and Louis was three weeks later. Then with our oh. second ch- children, um, we were both due on the same day, which was oh like my God. bizarre. But well, we couldn't have planned it if we tried. And, um, my sister went in on her, she had her baby on her due day, <laughs> bitch. And um, <laughs> I, I was eight days later, but I had this screaming baby who I loved dearly. And, you know, she'd bring, like, she'd come around to sort of help or support. And she's this little beautiful bundle of just, she was tiny as well. She was like, I think she was like seven pounds, something tiny. And when he was this uh... really nine pounds, seven, really long baby. I've got this picture that I will, I'll, I'll send you to see, but the comparison is off the chart and it's like what am I doing wrong what what I should be doing and and no one gives you the handbook and no one tells you about this shit they you just yeah. you know oh, I think we spoke last time about the NCT classes and all the, the the places where you go where they have a big responsibility for telling you like what's going to happen they talked about breastfeeding they talked about changing nappies and what to do when it time comes they didn't tell you about the mental health side of it. They didn't tell you about the struggles. They didn't tell you about colic and reflux, nothing. And I'm like, I'm angry about it. I'm so fucked off about it. And I met some really lovely people that I still see now. And they, and again, they were lifelines, but there's a responsibility that these services have for talking about the darker times or the times that don't, it's not all happy and rosy. And we know we're going to be tired. We know there's the sleep's going to be a thing. And, and you, you've got that in your mind, but all the other things that, come up that they don't prepare you for it was, it was just like the baby blues wasn't it on day three you might feel a bit sad and that was it and you're like what what mm. and, and nobody said I mean the NCT classes are perfect because you go with your partner it would have been a perfect time to say if your wife partner the person who's having the child is presenting in this way then they might need help equally if you as the partner who didn't have the baby is presenting this way then you might need support and help because I mean it's fine telling you how to change a nappy but you can probably figure that out whereas (laughs) it's so hard to try and figure Mm -hmm. out what to do when you think there's so much shame alongside not not feeling great about the thing that you've created and the thing that you've you've chose to do and yeah. I don't know I I think I'm a lot more aware this time so if I were to have another baby I would be a lot more aware but equally there's another challenge when you have another baby because I've got Isabel already like mm-hmm. how's she gonna cope with things I think I spoke to you last time about um we've just lost my so it's just my grandmother my granny and Isabel's great granny but we saw her every single week and Isabel was really really close to her and I think because we went through that grief process together 
a lot of my focus, so this was in July, a lot of my focus was on, is Isabel okay? Is my mum okay? Is my granddad okay? And then I didn't even really think, am I okay? Like, yeah. I would talk to Isabel really openly. I feel sad today. I feel sad too because I miss Granny. And I was amazed. She was amazing. She'd, she'd mm. voice it. And I thought, great, okay, she's voicing her, her feelings. Job done. But I wasn't voicing my feelings because mm. I wanted to be strong for everybody else. And I think very recently it's all just hit me where I've thought, oh, shit, I'm, I'm not in a good place either because mm. you as a mum just carry everybody's shit you yeah. just you, you carry everybody's emotions and like my husband will say to me well what what can I take off you then and I'm like but it, but it's not it's not a thing like <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not actually carrying balls that you can take off me I'm not spinning plates it's metaphorical take like look around the house <laughs> <laughs> my husband like give me a list give me a list I shouldn't have to fucking do a list I should yeah. have to make a list like, I, I, who gives you know, me a list yeah I'm just having to make my own list I'm having to you know oh we've got Halloween we've got half term we've got all these things I've got to make plans I've got to do this 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 like on top of everything else on top of all the other things that we have to think about and you know oh that it yeah <laughs> It really fucks me off. Uh, but and you know, they're helpful. They're they're hands-on dads. This hands-on yeah. dads business, like fuck's <clears> sake. <throat> it so winds me up. And I'm very grateful. I'm very, very grateful because I know not everybody has level of support. And there's might be some mums that are on their own completely. So I don't want to be ungrateful for that. But the the level of shit that we have to do is off the chart unfair off the chart and it's just socially and culturally like shoved down our necks that we need to do it all do it with a smile on our face never complain because we chose motherhood as you said and also I think there's the other realization that if we break our kids are going to break our family breaks like if we're holding it all together and we break like they they're going to break and it's it's just this level of like responsibility that we have that and this fear of of you know I think I said before like fucking our kids up even with the best yeah. intentions is absolutely it's I think the toxic positivity again is we're sold this sort of idea that we should never be if, if we're feeling sad if we're feeling you know angry or, or any other emotion than happy there's something wrong something wrong and we need to change that we need to fix it we need to move on with it because that's not what life's about and when you were in your postnatal depression do you feel that you could have navigated that time in your life so much easier or moved through it faster if you had known that it was normal to feel this way and that it was okay to not be loving every second of it. And that if more people had shared their experience and if you'd been told, you know, this may happen and this is common and this is totally normal, that when you had those feelings of being, you know, low, blue, depressed, not loving life, that it wasn't something to be ashamed of. And so 
do you feel like had your focus not been on I shouldn't be feeling this I should be feeling happy I should be loving every second of my baby I should be able to cope with this do you feel like that that toxic positivity of like I should be feeling this but actually the reality is I'm feeling all of this like you know the disconnect of what was what should be absolutely I think my I think social media has a big part to play in that but I also think the way that we were brought up to to kind of never really sit with our emotions and explore our emotions I don't remember ever having a chat when I was a kid and somebody saying how do you feel and me saying I feel sad and then them not going don't be sad like Mm. just constantly don't be sad stop crying it's okay stop crying it's okay to the point where you're like stop crying it's okay stop crying. and you try and start telling yourself that don't be sad don't be sad don't be sad and then when you are sad because the world's fucking difficult sometimes and and when you're a kid and the only thing that you have to worry about is whether you get 10 out of 10 on a spelling test or whether your friend wants to be your friend that day Mm. your emotions are a lot smaller and they're, they're still big feelings but your emotions are a lot smaller but when there's so many more variables when you're an adult and you've got complex friendships and relationships and even down to like losing family members like having a child and worrying constantly about fucking them up the the don't be sad is insane like it's insane Mm. to think that we can't be sad I still don't think we're there in mental health now where yes we can talk about it I don't I don't think that we're okay with it though I think it still needs to be fixed and maybe that's an example of how it's not okay to not be okay people go it's okay to not be okay but but it's not really though is it we're not there yet no we're not I just think like I I talked to Isabel now about her emotions and she does say oh I feel sad to say because I miss granny and yesterday she lay in bed with me and she said I don't want to go to preschool and Danny said you need to go and I was like no why do you not want to go to preschool and she said because it's boring and I said well why is it boring and then she goes off on this little story about why she finds things boring and she wants to do something else it was fascinating to hear a three-year-old because she's three be able to express those emotions and actually have depth to them to the emotions it wasn't just I feel this way or I don't want to do this but I know both Danny and I have been told, well, you need to go to nursery. Well, you need to go to pre mm-hmm. You need to go to school. So those emotions are, ne- are never discussed. You're never treated as an equal. You're always yeah. treated as a, well, you have to do that. And yeah, like she has to go to nursery. That, that is the way that it is because I have to go to work. But there's a different way of talking about it mm-hmm. and saying, okay, I understand that. What would make this feel better for you or it kind of how can how can we fix it how can we make it more enjoyable and I don't know it but I sound like I'm a martyr this is very very no. conscious parenting where I'm like shit mm. I don't want to fuck you up I I'm very aware that you are a little person who all of a sudden has these kind of very complex emotions and if anything doesn't understand how to express them so it's my job to to help you do that yeah yeah I love uh 
Oh, I'm, I love it. I love it because conscious parenting is, is not fucking easy, especially no. if you were never allowed to, if no one sort of held space for you and for you to explore your feelings, because a lot, a lot of people didn't have fucking time, like their busy lives. And as mothers, like, you know, we have a lot of pressure, but they had to do so much more by hand to think. And like, they didn't yeah. have like the convenience and stuff like that, but there's a million excuses why. And they never had probably their, feelings validated like if you link this back to like generationally and you know the world wars and things like that we weren't allowed to talk about feelings because it was a too traumatic or or b you had to stifle them down to literally survive like it's been handed down to this like keep calms carry on and this like you're strong and tough and we don't look weak like we needed that in a time of crisis we needed that in times of war but now thank god we're not in a time of war but we are within at war within in ourselves because again we're trying to like every time I try and be conscious of what I'm saying to my girls and what I'm saying the, the impact that our words have like you're fine you're fine or, or things like that I need to say look mummy's here mummy's here that's what I try and say now mummy's here like, I don't try and tell them how they're feeling or what they need to feel or the other yeah. one is you know you were saying like you're okay you're okay or have a biscuit yeah, have a biscuit. Let's let's dry those tears of the biscuit. Like, let's mask it. Let's mask it. And then we wonder yeah. why we've like addicted to like sugar and need these things to oh. self soothe. It's like that's that's me all over. That is one hundred percent me, and it's one of the things that I hate the most about my adult life is I'm so reliant on kind of comfort food because it makes me feel better, but. Mm. It, I don't, I don't know. I have a funny relationship with food. I, I saw something today, actually, where they were saying, if you prevent your child from having sweet stuff and you treat it as a, a treat and a, as a reward, then they will always seek that out because it's something exciting and different and novel and um, kind of secretive. So don't treat it in any different way to an apple or a banana. And I've done that with Isabel because I know myself, like now that I'm an adult, I'm like, I'm going to buy myself sweets because <laughs> you you can do that now. And then I just constantly eat bad food because yeah. it was stuff that I wasn't allowed all the time as yeah. a kid. And life is hard and you deserve a treat. You know, you yeah. need that reward. Like you need to self-soothe. We all do. Like my mum was, is mum's really healthy she's a homeopath like you'd open the cupboards up for for a snack and there'd be like lentils and chickpea and there'd never be any oh, good stuff no. so I think when I got to like you know you'd have to you'd have to beg you'd have to beg for like the sugary cereals or the just to get the prize <laughs> and they were awful cereal you just wanted the prize out of it and I'd have to she'd make like you'd have to then eat these bloody cereals until they were gone it was horrendous uh, no, um, thank you. but when I got to an adult when I could buy my own stuff it would just be all the sugar like it would it would be the sweets and crisps and that coke like I try and limit myself to one coke a day like a fat coke I love a, a like a, a proper coke not diet I've never liked diet yeah. but yeah I try and limit myself to one a day and I think no matter how healthy I eat I undo it all with this with this can of coke that's got eight sugars in it <laughs> and but even now my mum will say to me I'd rather you have a can of fat coke than diet because of yeah. all the chemicals that are in the Diet Coke. Blah, blah, I digress. But yeah, it's like the relationship 
we have with ourselves is the foundation that all other relationships are built. So if we feel like if we're constantly feeling like there's something like missing within within us or not quite right or off balance. And that could be because, well, like, in fact, I know it's because we weren't able to experience our feelings in any real sense or be heard or, or, or as you said, being asked, how do you feel about this? Are you okay? Like actually having that time. So when we couldn't, when we haven't had that for ourselves, it's, it's very hard to, show up completely and I think like a lot of our worthiness and confidence comes you know stems from that that unsureness that we have inside of us that that doubt that confusion of what do I want or or what should I do like decision making can be really hard for me because I'm like I don't want to make a wrong decision I don't want to fuck it up like what should I do and I ask people what do you think I should do what do you think I should do when ultimately the decision is mine I'm getting I'm far more better at it now but I still think oh I agonize over it because again, I think it stems back to this. You don't develop that inner knowing. You don't develop your intuition when you're constantly suppressing all of your thoughts and feelings down. And so when you're told one thing and you do another thing, and, and again, I think it's also where our anger and, you know, that shouting mum that where we, we lose that shit spectacularly sometimes you think, fuck, where did that come from? I think so much of that is again is suppressed, comes out yeah. sideways, comes out in really explosive ways because again, it, it's, it's not going to be suppressed anymore. We're reaching points where it's got to come out. And if it doesn't come out healthily, if it wasn't allowed to be expressed, you know, anger was one for me. I was never really allowed to be angry growing up when when help when you don't get to experience healthy anger it does come out toxically it does come out you know spectacularly and and sadly it it is in the faces of our children and the people that we care of not most and you just and it's and that's again where all the shame comes in and it's really fucking painful i definitely Um, noticed that with danny my husband i i guess because he's the closest person and because He's my comfort zone. We've been together like half my life since I was 16. And I just, I'm a horrible person. I'll just shout and I'll argue. And I, I don't even know why I'm arguing. I don't even know why I'm upset and kind of angry with him. But I'm, it, the worst bits come out with the people that you love. And my fear is that the worst bits will come out with Isabel. And I know I've seen it myself where, gosh mommy 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 and because you're doing something not even that important but you're doing something like doing the washing or putting I don't know doing the dinner I'm like what and then I'm like oh like yeah you didn't deserve that yeah. at all I think I said to you last time like I- I'm very conscious now about trying to apologize to Isabel when I've mm. done wrong and the difference in her it's okay mommy and then we have a cuddle and and it's so but I've noticed that she'll do it I'm sorry mummy if she's mm. been naughty and I just think wow like to model that behavior is really really important it's also very difficult when you have to reflect on yourself and go okay I was I was wrong then yeah yeah oh the 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 times when I fucked up and been like oh shit I've done it again and, and you know it's that that long walk to be like Mummy's really sorry. And that apology, it's hard. It's really yeah. hard. And it is so important because, as you said, it models what, you know, 
being a good human being's about owning your shit and I think it's the best life skills we've got we have to be able to not blame other people like you know in that apology I've talked about it before but it's it has to be heartfelt and it has to be sincere and it has to be no like mummy sorry but you did this this and this and this it can't be any of that and it's hard, <laughs> but you didn't leave me alone. But you, uh, you know, that mummy, 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 mummy. And my girls will tap me, mummy, mummy. Like they'll, they'll come and tap me. And I, and I, what? So like, I haven't got to what the tap, where the tapping comes from. I haven't got to that. I haven't uncovered that yet, but it's, it's a surefire way to trigger me into like, yeah. what do you want? Like, what? Like, and you think, oh, right. Okay. And, you know, you, as you said, you're either cooking or you're, you're trying to send an email or you, you've forgotten to do that thing. Shit, I've got to do it right now. It's the last time I can possibly do it. And you're trying yeah. to, and like, mummy, 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 mummy. I'm like, just wait a minute. Just stop. Just stop. And you think, oh, fucking hell. But again, they're going to experience times when they are there, where they feel angry, where they lost it. But when we model how to do a, a proper apology, and another thing I've been doing recently, so the girls will say, I'm sorry. And one of my girls will go, I, I think I did it the other day. I think Harper, Harper had been a little rat bag or a little fucking, she'd said something and I was too angry to accept. And I went, I don't accept it. Cause I don't like, <laughs> I was like, I don't accept your apology. I was something like that real. I was probably not in my best version of myself at that time. I just wasn't ready to receive it. She'd really upset me or done. So I can't remember what. And now they say it to each other. They go, they go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Harper. Like, I don't accept your apology. <laughs> and I have to go. That's all right. You don't have to accept it, but well done for saying sorry. Like it's again, like she's not finished being angry yet. She's not finished yeah. being disappointed yet. And that's fine. We don't have to rush through that either, you know? And now like winter when she's fucked up, she, she's quite stubborn, but she's embarrassed as well. So she can't always say sorry straight away. And yeah. I, but I always, so once she's calmed down and once she's, you know, back in her body and she's back, back to level zero again, and I go, is there something you need to say to mummy? She'll go, yeah, mummy, I'm sorry about that. Or I don't even need to prompt it yet. Once she's calm, she'll just come and say, mummy, I'm sorry for doing yeah. that. And I'll go, that's okay. To, like, thank you for saying you're sorry or whatever. Like, I've got, you were so sad or you're so mad or whatever. And she'll, and she can do it now. And there's no rushing. Again, this toxic positivity from, and toxic forgiveness, I think, with say you're sorry, say you're sorry now. That was really naughty. Yeah. What do you think you're doing? That? You know, and it's like, and I think a lot then of people. Then it's ex- not sincere, is it? It's not yeah, they're just saying the words. Yeah. yeah, so you so don't, don't actually understand the purpose of sorry and and what it feels like to reflect. I don't think anyone gave us time to reflect. It was always like, you've hurt your brother. Say sorry, sorry. Say it like you mean it. I remember that. Yeah. Bloody say it like you mean it, and I go sorry. <laughs> yeah like yeah uh, or I'll, I'll give you something to be sorry about like that threat of like, oh, sorry, I'm really sorry like absolutely absolutely and but this well-behaved children always behaved children or this you know this people pleasing all those things is it's um I feel like we're trying to undo everything that was done and it, it I'm very conscious of that because I don't want to I don't want to say anything bad. It was never malicious in the way that people were being brought up. It was just a generational thing. Absolutely. Like, I'm, yeah, I, I, when I record my podcast, I think, I wonder if my mum or dad will ever listen to this and think, oh, fucking hell, what did we do? But again, they, 
they did the best they could. They would do, there was a, a whole, you know, as you said, generation of like well-behaved children and keeping them in line. And, you know, I suppose you not long, not, you know, we, we were obviously, um, eighties, nineties. I suppose you had the sixties where it was all very wild and hippie and, you know, they, they were trying to get control back, weren't they? Yeah. So there's, there's a whole, you could go back, you know, you could name it for a hundred different things. Um, but there's so many things that um that do come in and, and I guess you do want respectful children you do want your and you th- it's the thing I want my children to be liked I want them to to make friends and people to not judge them you know I've always wanted because I feel like that's what was put on us you've got a, you've got to appear you've got a whole face you've got to show up now what would the neighbors think you know my nan was very was Irish and it was very much like what would the neighbors think what would the neighbors think we've always got you know yeah. like <laughs> love her dearly that's so and, true. Um, yeah, I think there was that whole level of like people are judging me, people are watching me. Like, and the the fuck thing of it is, is we're, we're so busy judging ourselves that we haven't really got time to be sort of judging anyone else. You know, like there's yeah. so much, so and much unkind going on to ourselves. Really, really oh, unkind. That internal language, like that that inner mean girl, that inner critic, like, oh, like when I the things I used to say to myself and like this, un- as you said, this unlearning that I've had to do and the, and the way I would speak to myself was just the most toxic thing. And I don't know if you've, there's a book by um, Michael, Michael Singer called the untethered soul. Mm. I don't know if you heard of it. It's a really complex book. I've had to read it a couple of times because it was like so brilliant, but it was a bit of a head fuck as well. But he would say, if you took, all of your thoughts and the things that you say to yourself and you put that you made a body and a head and a person and dressed them up and you made this real person and you put them on the end of your sofa and they said the things to you like, um, Oh, what is wrong with you? Why have you done that for? Like, I can't believe you did that. You're an idiot. Like, and they were saying these things that you say inside your head, you would just be like, Oh my God, get me away from this person. You're the most toxic person I've ever met in my life. Yet we're living with this inside of us. And we don't often realize the level but like when it kicks in. And so he talks about becoming the observer of your thoughts. And, and he says, like, you, when you ask yourself things, who's answering those questions? When, you know, to, I put together a, a free mindset workbook and it's in, um, it's very, you can get it at my website, you can get it on the Instagram link in the bio. But I've done an exercise there where you look at your mental focus, you look at your internal language and you look at the things that you, you focus on. And, and how you, why they can be so, your mindset can be very unhealthy and toxic at times because of the things you're focusing on, because the things you're saying to yourself. And it is an unlearning and it is like a everyday practice to sort of reset and go, Oh, I nearly called myself stupid there. Or I nearly said like, Mm. what the fuck is wrong with like, I've got to, I've got to keep stopping that and I've got to change my internal language. We all do. But again, I think it's fear driven and it's, we don't want people to judge us. We want to, we don't want to fail. We want to look perfect. It's because of this, again, this toxic positivity of always having to look happy, always looking like we've got our shit together, always looking like life is good and life is great and I'm fine. I'm good. I'm fine. Like so, so messed up. It's so, so messed up, but it is a constant, I want to say battle, but it's a constant acceptance and kindness. And, and that, you know, that kindness and compassion that we give to everybody we meet is something we have to give to ourselves. And often it's like everyone talks about self-care and like these 
you know, have a bubble bath and me time. And, and as, as important as those things are, the more important things are to learn, to start to learn to catch, you know, journaling and all the exercises you can do to actually figure out what is going on inside. Where are these thoughts coming from? Like, are mm. they even my, you know, what are your values? What are you aligned to? Because what you give yourself ultimately is if you're not giving, if you're not filling yourself up with kindness and compassion and, and, and the, and the grace that you give everybody else, like you're depleting yourself every single time because you're giving it to everyone else, but you can't give it to yourself. It's the, the age old oxygen mask on first before you put your kid, one of your kids in for everyone else. Like you've got to fill yourself up and give from the overflow so that we don't keep depleting ourselves. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I definitely think there's something about in my twenties, I thought that I had my shit together and I thought I knew who I was. And it's only really coming into my thirties that I have realized that I don't want to say flaws, but that there are parts of me that I want to work on and I want to develop and that you can have all of the material things sorted and you can have a very kind of nice set up life and I did all that in my 20s and now what I want to do is work on me Mm. because and, and and this is deep again but like my childhood was focused on success and absolutely being the best that you could possibly be in terms of success. So measured success, 10 out of 10, A stars, first in your degree, all of these things that that followed progression in your career very quickly. And I just kept taking them off the list and I was like, right, what's next? What's next? Mm. And only now, as I've become a mom and because my my life has taken a different way and you can't measure success in in terms of a child I've realized that happiness was always put aside it was always kind of but as long as you are top of the class then Mm. then you'll be you'll do all right and I have got everything that I could ever want in terms of that success but nothing is ever good enough because I no one ever told me what the final goal would be so to me I'm never satisfied because I I don't know what I'm striving for. Mm. University and stuff is very straightforward. You you do your key stage one, key stage two, key stage three, GCSEs, A levels, university, job, and then I'm like, and and then what? And and now what? what's the goalpost then? Because there's yeah. the goalpost. Where's the plan? Just, yeah, yeah. It, it's so difficult to navigate, and you keep ticking boxes and and trying to satisfy people but I'm a mess like I'm not there is no and last time I think I said about me wanting to be happy but I know happiness is kind of a roller coaster and it's not a destination Mm. but I think there's something about me being okay in myself and being accepting of me and working on the things that I I mean, I'm going to absolutely slay to this quote, but there's something about knowing what you can change, recognizing what you can't change, and and having the grace to know the difference. Whatever that yeah, peaceful yeah, yeah. quote is, yeah, 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 exactly what my life goal is now to kind of to understand what I can't change and accept it, and to know what I can change, and, and being able to 
to make those changes for Isabel and for me. Yeah. That's, that is so beautiful. Like, I think that's the thing that like, we get told that it is all about achievement and, and safety. It's safety driven, isn't it? Like, if you have a career, if you have your house, if you have the money, if you have all this, if you 10 out of 10, if you've got everything, like you're going to be safe, you're going to be fine. And yeah. while there is definitely that, um, safety there, we abandon the, the more spiritual, the more internal stuff that I suppose the more woo woo or the intangible stuff that people yeah. put aside because not that that stuff doesn't matter, but it gets, we, we get lost in that journey, I think. And I think every time we do that and, and while we're, we've got that focus, like we know what we're doing, we know what we're doing. And then when that focus is, I know what. Okay. Right. And that's, as you said, like, oh, it's still, there's something still missing. There's something still missing. And I honestly believe that that feeling that something's missing and that thing that you talk about, like, I'm not quite satisfied is for me, it's that feeling that something's missing or the vo- there's a void there. I need to fill with something. And I've done all the, you know, food, alcohol, shopping, all the things to try and fill it. And what I've realized is it's for me. And I, I think for everyone, but for everyone's journey is different it's I have to go back and heal within me the parts of me that I've I've suppressed or the parts of me that I've cut away because they didn't feel good enough and they weren't lovable and I've had to sacrifice parts of me I think every time I go back and I like sort of heal something within me I accept part of myself as you said with the flaws or that that wasn't you know perfect enough or wasn't um enough every time I go back and I, I I do that inner child work and I Again, it's very woo woo, but it's, you feel whole. You do start to feel like that you've, you come home to yourself yeah. because it's not a destination. I feel like we need to come more inward and we to, to get back that inner knowing and that inner trust and that intuition. That I think that when we, when we go after those goals and we, the, the big goals and the big life plans, that niggling thing in the back of the head that you sort of, you hear, but you're not quite sure. It's like a, like a whisper and you're like, what was that? What was that? And then you think, oh, no, I'm not, no, no, that's, no, no, that's a great, like, that's not on the plan. We can't do that. So I totally, I totally love like that you're, you, you're seeing that that journey is for you. It's a different one that you've and a different path that you've been on. And I get really excited yeah. when I, when I hear people do that because it can be very emotional. It can be very sort of messy and chaotic and you can think, think Oh, fuck, why did I open this can of fucking worms? But yeah. there's such gold in there. There's such, and and you can you do get you know you do get that peace and it's just like remembering who we are and what we came here to do and and I'm very passionate about talking about purposeful um legacy like what we want to leave behind for our kids like what we want to change what we want to you know be the cycle breaker what we want for our bloodline that's going to be different that they give to their children and their children like what, what we want mm. to give them and it has to start with us if we want our children to be to know their own voices and to know their own intuition and to know what they want. We have to know it for ourselves and we have to do that journey. And it's not, it's not anything that anyone can do, but the more we we work on ourselves for ourselves, our children benefit. And ultimately the secondary gain is, is for them. They get a more whole version of us that aren't searching for things in the wrong places when we start to validate ourselves. So I love that. I love that. And it's just, yeah, so cool to hear. So, so yeah. good to hear. It's quite an emotional thing, actually, realising you've got work to do on yourself. And for the type of person that I am, 
having a project is quite satisfying. So if I turn mm. it into a tangible pro- project, and I mean, the self-care thing slightly drives me insane because it feels very forced. But to to say it's okay to have this time for you, and for me to say like I'm I'm going to go to the gym tonight, Danny, and and not ask for permission, but just to be like this is what I'm doing, is is really empowering. Mm. And I think, yeah, I need to. I'm not there yet. I'm absolutely not there yet because in an ideal world, I would make the decisions purely because I want to make them. And Mm. I still very consciously think about what everybody else thinks of me and what everybody else thinks about the decision. So I know that that's a... It's funny, isn't it, when you see kind of 70-year-olds and you think they don't give a shit about anything and they're up (laughs) dancing and they... They say what they want and you think I can't wait. I, I can't wait that time. <laughs> yeah. I understand how they get there because every decade you reflect and you you become more and more accepting of who you are. So you just think, fuck it, I'll say what I want. Yeah. I can't wait till I'm old like that. Don't rush me. Don't rush me. I've got a lot to do. But um <laughs> like I wanna be that age. I wanna be that no filter, just say what I think. Like, you yeah. know, I did you know Catherine Tate when she does the nan? like yeah. one of my favorite characters I'm like oh I can't wait to be a bit like that and just all this all this like people pleasing I've done over the years and bit my tongue from saying things that I've never wanted to say or hurt people's feelings or whatever like just just can't wait for that that moment when I'm just like fuck off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I just can't wait but I do think you're right I do think so you're you're in your 30s now I've just hit my 40s and I do think there's an age thing I think you're right I think there it is I think it's a wisdom thing. And I think, it, again, it's something you have to experience. Like yeah. it, it is a, you know, and I think, God, when I'm 50, I'm going to give even less of a fuck, I hope, like yeah. of, of, I think we, it's it's like we've been programmed to be a certain way up until this point of our life. And then when we realise that we get the awareness of like, whose fucking life am I living here? Like what, who, what values am I conforming to? Like, why am I doing the things I'm doing? And it's that, that awareness of like, right what am I trying to how am I trying to keep myself safe how am I Mm. trying to keep you know how am I trying to keep myself small by keeping myself safe and then the unlearning of everything that we've learned like it's yeah and I think it's our life I think it's a lifelong journey and I think I think a lot of people go into like personal development and self-development and and all this sort of thinking like oh I'll just do this I'm gonna be fixed and I think we release layers like the 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 metaphor that I have sometimes is like as we grow up every time we didn't have our feelings or we weren't able to express ourselves or we had to suppress something we kind of like put a layer like a layer on another layer another Mm. layer on and not just from our parents but like socially and culturally and all the you know as a woman the um ways in which we should live like how to put ourselves in this box of being this kind of way that's acceptable and then before you know it, we're like, you know, Joey and friends where he's got all of Chandler's clothes yeah. on, you know, like, and, and more and more like, you know, just big coats. And it's like, every time we learn something new, we like release a layer, we remove a layer and life gets easier to move about. And we can it just, everything gets a bit easier. Everything gets a bit more freer and more fluid. And that's the metaphor I'm trying to think. And I think we've got to kind of release all the layers that keep us safe or the layers that we've put on. Cause we didn't, we had to hide ourselves or wasn't enough. So for me, it's a lifelong journey. And I think that reframe is a little bit scary. Like, fuck, mm. I'm going to be doing this shit for the rest of my life. And also 
when we can say this is like not something that can be fixed in a minute in a moment it's got something it's an unlearning or it's a a learning who I truly am at my core like who I really really am and who I wanted to be like what my life would have been different had I done solely what I wanted to do and not out of fear and because from joy and from passion and and followed the dreams I've done and, and not been scared of like will I make money at this and will I be successful at this and will I you know will I be seen as um successful in this way like there's just a lot of possibilities and I think that's why I think a lot of people say that life begins at 40 or life begins mm-hmm. when you start to like unlearn it so yeah I think age has got a big thing to play with it but um <laughs> we could talk, I could talk to you all day forever and ever and ever and ever I really could I really really could that's what's nice about it it ends up becoming kind of mutual counseling doesn't it because just I given that so. therapy time to be able to talk and I, I do this all the time on podcasts just to be able to have a chat with somebody whose mindset is similar to yours and and talk about how difficult it is but also kind of how it's okay to find it difficult is really enlightening Mm. and I wanted to ask you about you shared something with me um I just want to do like the power of connection so when we're when we're real and when we're we're not doing this everything's great everything's fine like you shared with me that you did a um a book signing somebody asked you to read something and and you were like oh I can't I can't do that um can you would you share that with us because I just want the the power of connection and the power of being vulnerable and real and the what what that allowed everybody to do in that room was just beautiful yeah so in the first book mum's word there is um in both books actually but there's alphabetical order of all of the different things that people didn't tell you so about accidents about baby brain things like that and in the chapter why uh I speak about you and how you have changed who you are, your identity has changed, your relationships and things like that. And the first book I wrote this chapter, I was I was probably in the depths of this postnatal depression where I didn't know who I was. I could only identify as mum. I I could never see myself in the clothes that I used to wear. I I could never see myself back at work. I was I was just drowning in mum. Mm. And in the second book, um, it, it's kind of a follow-on and it talks about toddler life. And I thought I would replicate that chapter by writing exactly the same chapter again and, and writing back to the girl who wrote the first book. And in this reading, they said, oh, we'd like you to read the you chapter out of the second book. And I said, I, I said, I'd, I'm more than happy for you to read it. I can't read that out loud. I still really struggle to think about who that girl was in the first book. And she started reading it and she had to pass it on to somebody else in the audience to read it mm. out loud, who then had to pass it on to somebody else mm. because they all burst into tears. And I can't even, I couldn't even quote what I, I said in that chapter, but I think what's really honest and raw was because that book was never intended for anybody it was so brutally honest in that I don't know who I am anymore I don't actually know if I like the person that I've become I'm just a mum and that's Mm. it and and then the the second book I 
I just wanted to give her a cuddle, that girl who wrote the first book mm-hmm. who felt so lost, and just say, it's actually going to be okay. And and the little person that you have grown and developed has, has become a little girl now, and she's got her own personality, and she's not a psychopath or a dick or a Tory. She's, she's all right. <laughs> she's not... <laughs> She's not that bad. So yeah, um I don't know. That that really it brought everybody in the room together, but I think it also exposing yourself in that way when everybody knows me as the one who is trying to be funny and trying to make light of things. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that you can give one side without the other. And I've had so many messages from mums who've said, thank you so much for making me realise that I'm not a shit mum. Thank you for making me realise that it's okay to not love every second of this. I've never told anybody, but I actually am not enjoying this. And you've mm-hmm. made me feel like it's safe to do that. And I always advertise the books for their humour because I think people will then buy them for people what the what the most powerful thing is where those emotional bits come in is that's when you're touching them because if I put this out there and said this is a book about postnatal depression they will yeah. buy it because be like I can't I can't associate with that that's not me it isn't necessarily about them having postnatal depression but it's about them thinking god I'm having these thoughts that I defo shouldn't be having or shouldn't share with anybody and again it's not about ever harming the baby and I make that really clear I never wanted to harm her I never wanted her to go anywhere Mm. I just I wanted to get out I wanted to leave like yeah I I wanted a break I just wanted to have a shower on my own and I just wanted Mm. to go shopping without taking 5,000 bags of baby (laughs) shit with you and now like we just take a little bag with a little change of clothes and that's it and it I mean I hate it when people say it goes quick because when you're in the thick of it it's not going quick at all yeah but it does yeah. it, it that bit's gone now and mm. in a way that and now this is why I know that I feel like I want another baby because for a long time I was looking at babies and I was like fuck that I don't want another one of them <laughs> yeah. whereas now yeah. I'm like oh I'd quite like a cuddle with one of them <laughs> yeah yeah I love that though but again you're not going into it blind like you've had the experience you know what could come you know what could happen and just having having had that experience you're gonna you've got through it and I think that's the other thing about nothing lasts forever like the good and the bad times like you know the baby you know that hard like I remember that just thinking fucking hell like everything you said I totally totally relate with it's just like I want this to be over I I just I want to fast forward I want to skip this bit I want to get to like three months and I want to skip all of this bit because it's it's so so hard and no one prepares you for it but your what your book does I think is like it's a lifeline it's an actual lifeline for real life and people need like they need that lifeline so badly because they when you say you put your hand up vulnerably and say this this is how I feel other people can go me too yeah. I feel like that and they don't feel alone and again it takes it from the shame and that shame is like I shouldn't be feeling like this I'm bad I'm a bad mum I'm you know shame is all about the self but when we've got that connection to someone else is feeling like this you're like, I'm not alone in this it's not me yeah. everybody other people feel like this and that is again that, that lifeline it's just just that 
it takes your mindset from from that toxic sort of self-hatred and sort of self-criticizing to okay like other people are dealing with that and then you can say like how did you get through this what was good for you like how you know just having something you can go to to know that you're not alone and I think that's what we're all looking for is connection and 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 a meeting of you know being real and being honest and you know it is messy and it's not you know desirable but I'll take that you know I can't unlearn what I know now and I don't want to you know, I don't want to put those rose tinted glasses on. Like, the, I can't remember which pill you meant to take in the Matrix to know the truth. Like, I don't know which one it is. Was it the blue one or the red one? I can't remember. Um, but I've taken that pill now and I can't unsee that. And I'm glad because I don't want to be pretending everything's okay. And we shouldn't have yeah. to. Like, you know, I think again, it just boils down to we've been told that there's good emotions and bad emotions and there's neither Like we need both the full human experience. And there's, there's gems in both that like we need both to fully experience life and to fully experience ourselves. So yeah, I just, I, I just love what you're doing. Is there going to be a third book? Um, about a year ago, I invited mums to contribute their stories um, mm. So there is going to be Mums the Word, the collective, which will come out at some point. I need more stories, actually. Uh, I kind of put oh. it off for a bit when I got my new job, but I'd love to start that back up again because real mums have the best stories and I'd like to give them the opportunity anonymously if they want to contribute their, their kind of real life mum funny stories but also kind of emotional stories as well and then I'll put them all together and I'll get that published I love that I love that it's the village right it's the village it's the war it's the war stories it's the stories from the front lines like the thick of it (laughs) and the humor like I I I love humor and I think it's so powerful and I don't think that's like toxic that's that's not a toxic positivity we need human and we need to be able to laugh in the dark times we need to be able to laugh at the you know the irony of it and as you said like you look back on some things you're like what was I doing I would have done as you said I would have held that baby upside down and at a window like Michael Jackson style if I thought it would yeah. make a poop like we would do the crazy stuff because you know we would do anything to help our children but we need the real you know we need the the real stories we need the real advice and again like you know best mums know best like but again we doubt ourselves for all the reasons we've talked about today but ultimately mums you will do no best but it's when we trust that inner knowing hmm. well I'm excited I'm excited for the third book to come out and I'm I may may give you a story or two to add yes, to it please give your stories <laughs> in and if anybody else wants to give their stories in just message me uh on bookmumstheword at hotmail.com just send your stories over I have got quite a few at the moment and then I kind of stopped it because I wasn't getting the responses that I wanted to I will pick it back up again at some point Mm, yeah it's on your list of shit to do yeah (laughs) (laughs) but I love that I love it so much thank you so much for today I've absolutely loved talking to you I could feel like we could talk for another three or four hours it's just like so nice it's so nice but it is also very late and you've got to get some sleep at some time and a shower so, just come from the gym <laughs> you're a machine like you've just been from zoom i'm jumping on like i was falling asleep on the sofa watching bluey with the girls thinking i better wake myself up <laughs> you're an inspiration you're an inspiration but i love everything you're doing so thank you so much and we'll have to have another chat another time and 
yeah, share our musings and realizations with the world for sure. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. And I'll speak to you soon. Yeah. Thanks, lovely. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye. I think you can tell we absolutely loved recording that. Please go and check out Rebecca's amazing book, Mum's the Word. I'll put the links in the bio. You can find Rebecca at book Mum's the Word on Instagram and I'll put a link in the show notes as well. So I hope this has been enlightening. I hope it's given you some light bulb moments or just given you a chance to think about where that toxic positivity plays out in your life, where you've experienced it, where you've had to make yourself small to keep yourself safe. It's not a nice feeling. I don't want you to be dictated to by your fear anymore. You don't need to. But believing that you have to be happy and positive all the time isn't true. And it isn't healthy. That's not healthy. That's that's not a healthy mindset. We have to embrace all of our emotions. There are no good or bad. They are just experiences. And you deserve to experience them all. Because there are gifts in each and every single one of them for you. So don't rush for your feelings. Try to surrender to them. Try to embrace them. And again, our children will learn how to do the same. If this has been helpful, please go and download my free mindset workbook, Overcoming Overwhelm, the Shouty Mum's Guide to Finding Your Calm in Your Chaos. Um, just go to at the Shouty Mum's Club on Instagram. The link is in the bio. You can find it at Kathy Watson Coaching under the Shouty Mums Club page. It's a PDF workbook. I've made it fillable because who has time to print stuff out? Or you can print it out if you have time. Make time. I encourage you to make time. But look at those exercises. I've designed them specifically for you to become aware of what is going on in your life and where you are sabotaging yourself. And as hard as it is, please go to the cringe. The things that you cringe about yourself, memories, experiences, what people say have said to you, things that you've believed about yourself. That is where you need to heal first of all. Not easy, but very, very worth it. It will unlock parts of you that you didn't know were locked away and you will start to feel more whole and more healed. And it's only you that can do it. There's no one else. It's just you and you have you have all the strength within you to do it. I know that for a fact. If you have found this helpful, please forward it to a shouty mum, someone you think that may benefit from hearing from this. This is the Shouty Mums Club, but also everybody's welcome. This is about self-parenting because that is where the foundation of our parenting and how how much we love ourselves and others is directly linked to the relationship we have with ourselves. That relationship we have to ourselves is so, so important. So when we can improve that relationship, all other relationships will improve too. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. Sending you so much love. Thank you for listening. Love you lots. Bye-bye.